0: Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon, who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. Hello, you're listening to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. I am your host, Jeremy. Um, Joined today by two guests who uh, (laughs) thankfully donated their rainy Thursday Portland evening to hanging out in our scenic basement apartment studios here in lovely northeast Portland. Uh, With me this evening is...
1: Uh, Jamea Jefferson. And... Rachel
2: Levy.
0: All right. The topic for tonight is Amazon self-publication, I guess. Yes, or so just say, Oh, just self Yeah, just self uh, self-publishing your work on, I guess any online venue. I mean, there's only a <laughs> couple that are really are, that are really sizable enough right. that you should bother with. Right. Right. <laughs> I guess you mean know, we can start with you because you're the one who, are, who uh, have the more experienced author amongst all of us. Um, it just, oh, could true. you um, could you go a little bit into. I guess how you got how you decided to get started by going that route or how was how was the landscape when you uh, when you first got into it of deciding like this is what you wanted this is I don't know I guess a valid venue to get your stuff out there or if not the or maybe just the only one hmm.
1: uh well I had um it had been a couple of years since I'd had any actual releases out at all. Um, I had been working on a manuscript that was kind of stalling out at the time. Mm. And, um, I knew that that wasn't going to be ready for anybody to, to see, let alone like try to get it published or, you know, try to pursue some kind of representation for a while. Um, but I really wanted to make sure that I had at least some kind of content, you know, some kind of new content so that you know, I would have something out there to, you know, with my name on it so that people would know that I hadn't just, you know, gotten swallowed by the sands of time. And I had, uh, so I just kind of went through and uh, determined that I had some, that I had a manuscript that was finished and it was pretty much ready to go. Right. Um, I had written um, in the uh, months after... Uh, my book, Voice of the Blood, was uh acquired by uh Leisure Books in uh, and that was around uh the end of the year in nineteen ninety nine or mm-hmm. the early part of the year in two thousand. And the book just didn't come out for like ages and ages and ages, but I was writing very continuously at that point. Um and i had written a uh, a novel in the meantime called uh uh that came to be called mixtape for the apocalypse um that was not its original title but I, I i changed it because um i thought it would be a little less uh less likely to have uh, uh the little golden books come and and sue me for uh using their copyright um
0: that sounds very um very y2k of a title
1: yeah uh it was originally yeah it was originally called my little golden book of the apocalypse that was (laughs) uh that was the title that i had been working with on that for a a long time that was you know kind of a semi-autobiographical you know uh, sort of dark comedy about uh someone who was experiencing a psychotic break Hmm. um you know, either, you know, it it can be argued that it's, you know, brought on by uh, the actions of other people or that it was just going to happen anyway.
0: um, Either way, it's a break.
1: Either way, it was a psychotic break, uh, which I myself experienced. And even while I was sort of in the depths of it, like personally experiencing it, I another part of my mind was kind of, you know, continuously laughing at how outrageous it was and how, like, absurd the kinds of, like, You know, delusional or delusional or not, the ideas that I was having were just so extreme and so like unlikely that I thought it was really funny even at the time. Um, And as I was able to sort of like work my way through that over the course of the next year, so after uh, all that shit went down, um, I started writing a manuscript about it, also inspired by some other stuff that I'd experienced in the meantime, and. Um, after I had had the uh, voice of the blood, uh, acquired by a publisher, um, I had just about finished writing, up the book that would become mixtape. And at that time I actually had a literary agent who hmm. had gotten the first book sold in the first place. And, uh, he was like, so, you know, you've got anything else that's ready to go. And I was like, cool. Yeah, I've got this book. And so I sent it to him and said, well, what do you think about this? And his response uh, was, "This is unpublishable." And not supportive. So I wrote back, you know, wrote an email back and was like, "Really? Uh, why is it unpublishable? Is there anything I can do to brush it up? You know, mm. what's the problem?" I never heard from him again. Oh well. Wow. He basically pulled hmm. a runner and deserted everybody that he would that he had been representing. Mm. Uh, he and he basically, and he never even got paid for uh, his agency fee for having sold the first book and mm-hmm. or the royalties from the book that he was entitled to, he never actually, you know, he never put claim to that money. I have no idea where he is. Wow, that's he just um, like bounced out of there.
0: That goes, I thought that goes
1: against the agent's code. I felt like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately that's been my only experience with a literary agent and I've been unagented ever since then. So I've been unagented since 2000. Um, and I've been, you know, fairly thoroughly discouraged about trying to find another literary agent because I acquired him through very unusual means.
0: Um, crackerjack box. And, uh, <laughs>
1: this,
0: if you, if you, uh, you want a contest that said, if you could draw this parrot, <laughs> Pretty you can much get a literary actually,
1: agent. Kind of. That's liter That's kind of almost what it was like. Um, my, uh, 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 this woman who had been, um, my, my academic advisor at Reed um, came to me while I was working, and I was working at Reed at that time, and said, "Hey, do you have any, you know, do you have any material that's finished right now? There's this, guy, this there's a friend of mine who's like holding a contest, and like the, if you win first prize, you get literary, you get, you know, you get agency representation, and like 200 bucks. And I was like, $200? Well, 200 bucks, 200 dollars, dudes, I'll totally do that. And she's like, Sweet. Well, you know, brush it up and send it to him. And I was like, Cool. So I did, and then I actually won first prize, and I was like, Yeah." And so, you know, I got literally I got representation, and within about two or three weeks, he had sold the manuscript. So it all happened very quickly, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, my my writing career is taking off right now.
0: The sky's the limit." Yeah. Ooh. Cue uh, then the, the cue, yeah, Q uh, cue the montage. Cue the montage. <laughs>
1: The Cue the cue to hope and, you know, the journey soundtrack and all that good stuff. And then, of course, it all came crashing to a horrible flaming heap that uh, the, uh, the wreckage is still smoldering to this very day. Uh, anyway, so I had so I'd written that book. I really, really like it. It's one it's one of my favorite things that I've ever written. And I think the material is really, really strong. And it's a really great book. And I've always wanted to see it in print.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: However his feedback this is unpublishable has always stuck with me and because i've never had any you know i have basically had like one or two friends read it in the meantime and i'm just like isn't this funny and they're like no it's really sad and i'm like really (laughs) really oh well i I think it's funny though yeah well uh, fine (laughs) it's really funny um so uh uh in uh summer of 2011 um I knew that I was, uh, you know, things were going weirdly at my actual day job and all that stuff. But I was like, okay, I really need to have another book out. The fastest way for me to be able to do that would be to publish it myself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then I got quite excited kind of reading up about what self-public, you know, the possibilities of self-publication and... I realized that this would be this would be kind of a fun cool project and for some for a manuscript that otherwise would just be sitting there
2: mm-hmm.
1: getting moldy um and so I studied up about it um and revised the manuscript which was uh, surprisingly really uh, emotional. I shouldn't have been surprised, but it was really, really emotionally difficult for me to go back and and look at the stuff because suddenly I was reminded of all the things that had led to me having the breakdown in the first place. Um, But I powered through and that was all good. And I hired a friend, uh, uh, Ben Bittner, and yes, I will call you out, Ben, because you're a genius. Um, who is a, a visual artist who is really good at creating a narrative with a single image. Hmm. And I said, hey, would you be able to, like, you know, if you read this book, and if you're willing, would you, you know, be able to make me like a cover drawing or something, and I'll pay you a hundred bucks? And he was like, yeah, sure. Actually, yeah, I don't, I don't really need to get paid. And I was like, no, dude, let me pay you. And he's like, oh, yeah. no. Um, and so he made this fantastic cover that's um, that uh, both encapsulates, you know, just the, the whole concept of listening to music on cassette and also uh, depicts the neighborhood that it's set in, which is it's very Portland centric novel. It almost all takes place on southeast Belmont between, um, I'd say, 32nd Avenue, oh no, 28th Avenue and 39th um and so he basically uh made this 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 you know amazing painting that you know depicts uh, a giant cassette tape that's basic that is kind of and it has sort of the 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 tape coming out of it mm-hmm. and it sort of makes the shape of a mushroom cloud over the block of of businesses that starts with the um Avalon Wonderland Arcade Certainly. and goes through Hoda's on the end of that street um, does, and it's uh, just, it's a fantastic picture. Does
0: the, uh, does the, does the Dixie uh, mattress company make an appearance?
1: It doesn't because that's on the opposite side of the street. Oh
0: yes. Uh, is, so is it's just
1: really too, it's really too bad that I couldn't sneak that in because well, that would have been such a lovely little, a little jolt of color.
0: Oh, long time. Yeah. Long time. Uh, Portland uh, criminal, Insti- yeah, cr- yeah. institution, criminal, institution. <laughs> criminal fronts, weird, weird
1: fuller racists Yeah, weird hillbilly fuller racists thing yeah they they the di- they had great deals on mattresses Oh they they
0: actually they was an actual working mattress store It was
1: <laughs> and they had and they had great prices and they were really really good to their customers as long as you were white
2: What
1: yeah, so, like, that was really, really real. That was really happening. And it was there and in business for, like, 50 years. Yeah, like
0: it was It was there when I got here. And Maybe. it was, I never saw it open. Yeah, uh, wandering right? by the, I remember wandering, uh, you'd wander, you'd pass it when you're going into Missing Link, when mm-hmm. Missing Link was still there. Yeah. And just, what? What's in there? And it's, like.
1: It's a total mystery, but it was a working business and apparently they were an actual great mattress store, but that business is on the opposite side of the street. Rats. the one that's defected. So the Zupans is on fire, that The one was, that um, picture then? Yeah. Uh, okay. No, actually, Zupans is on the next block over, so the Zupans isn't there either. But the Wonderland Arcade is mm-hmm. um, in tiny, tiny miniature. Good enough. And, uh, and, uh, the, um, uh. Sort of like Rasta flavored drum and a a poncho shop that's next to the video art that's next to the uh, the the nickel arcade and uh, yeah, just all that cool stuff that's there. Um, And he made this fantastic cover painting that I was just like, oh, this is just perfect. Um, and it was of the type that I could easily, um, or with a designer, very easily um, stretch out the, the image to um, actually have it as a wraparound cover. Um, and since I work at Dark Horse Comics and became good friends with a bunch of the people who were in the design department, uh, I asked uh one of the people who actually did book layout uh how do you actually you know how do you actually do page flow on yeah. on a manuscript how do you actually make that happen she's like oh it's actually really easy you just do this and this and i was like cool it's that easy this is a miracle <whistles> And we continue
0: and continue. You're so you're talking the um, learning page flow from. <laughs> so yeah, from
1: so I so I learned like actual print page flow from uh, the one of the uh, um, uh, digital book designers that I actually work with every day because I one of the the book series that I actually work on are prose novels and you know you. You know, they have you don't know exactly how many pages it's going to take up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You just have to, you know, lay it out like that. Mm -hmm. How do you how do you learn about spined width? Um, And there's a, a formula that you have that you figure out once you know exactly the actual final page count, that sort of thing. Um, and one of the other designers who had very recently just been let go with, let go of her job at Dark Horse. Um, I asked her if she would do the actual title design for the front of the book. And so we got together over beers and chose a font and like you do, like you do. And it was really great. And so she gave me a couple of options. I chose one. She, 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 laid it out um and so that was all easy she also didn't take any payment from me wow <laughs> and uh i had and i asked a coworker if she would actually do an edit of the text itself and so she actually like gave it, you know, she apparently just gave it a fairly light read because I guess it was really clean and didn't really have almost any typos or errors. And then she was like, nope, this is pretty good. Fix this. You know, make sure that this paragraph break is here because it's showing up really weird right here. And no, I think this is pretty good to go. Wow. I did have to pay her.
0: Oh, well um but, but you, very little. I was just say you not know, you you know you you knew that was coming sometime. Yeah,
1: I knew I was going to mm-hmm. have to pay something. Uh, but you know, so basically I got like extremely professional um work on counseling. Um, on on counseling and assistance for basically almost no money. Um and so then I had to learn like learn about how the book is put together, um, and then I had to, des- you know, decide exactly how I was, you know, was I going to have both a print version and an ebook version, which mm-hmm. I decided I would. Um, and doing the layout for ebook is a slightly different process than doing it for print, and there are different ebook formats that you have to format the, the manuscript for slightly differently for each one of those things. But again, it's really easy um i used the uh um the macintosh program pages to um import you know to to put them in the correct format for each of those for each of the ebook formats hmm. um pages is very very handy for that um and it was part of the uh um, the ios package for um, I think iOS eight, which is when that was, uh, or not iOS, but Mac OS eight. I was
0: gonna say yeah, I've had it on my phone like for, I think a couple years now. I never actually used it.
1: But... Yeah, um, it's very handy for desktop publishing, as they say.
0: Which is a great yeah, which is awesome to do on a screen that is <laughs> so uh, what three
1: inches yeah, by two inches, two by three. Yeah, yeah. comes in handy there. So, um, but again, it, that part was really easy. The only thing that I really had tremendous difficulty with. Um, was uh, that because of this? That particular book, it's done partially in a first person, a first person limited narrative, mm. and partially in an epistolary narrative. And so to have to show the the visual, to sh- I wanted there to be a visual difference between the two types of text, right. And so I had to figure out ways so uh, I had either to use two different typefaces, which is what I used for the print version, or to simply have the, uh, the the diary section in bold type, which is the way that it looks in the ebook version. So that part was very easy um, trying to fig- trying to to manage two different font types or two different typefaces in a single manuscript for the print version was a little bit more challenging, but again, surprisingly easy. Um, And the only other thing that I had problems with were um, how do I, you know, how do I set up the beginnings of chapters so that they all, so that they, they break at the right time so that Mm -hmm. the page break actually occurs right where it should. And so, again, I asked one of the people I worked with, and she said, oh, well, you just put it in different sections. And I was like, what? And she said, oh, in Microsoft Word, there's a setting that you have that's just called sections. Make sure that each block of text, your headers at the beginnings of your chapters, um, your various, like, sort of chunks of text in each chapter are each different sections. Once you do that, then you just tell it, make sections continuous, Or break sections according to these particular, you know, you know, add a a section break here and add a section break here so Mm. that each so that the um, the beginnings of chapters would start on a brand new page at all times. Figured that out. Whoosh! It was super easy. Yeah. uh, And I just uploaded the material and that was kind of that. And then you know deciding on a price um, and I uh, for the print version I used uh, create space um, because they're very uh, uh, they're a lot le- they're a lot more hands-off than other uh, than other systems that also will uh, help you with ebook publication book baby in particular mm-hmm. I'm really interested in seeing how they're their process works but they do a lot more stuff for you and it for this particular process because i wanted to learn it specifically i wanted to actually learn how to do right every aspect of it myself i didn't want the i, I didn't want and i also didn't have the money to pay anybody and book baby does cost you know it's like a hundred bucks at the basic mm. but i didn't have a hundred i didn't have a hundred bucks right so learning it all myself meant that I could save that money right. and and then released the ebook versions through um, through CreateSpace um, and so for each of the most common ebook formats um, they will actually market each one and and send them to the different booksellers for uh, their proprietary ebook formats. Um, Barnes and Noble uses Nook. Amazon uses Kindle. Um, other other companies use EPUB, which is uh, pretty much the most basic and standard one.
0: Yeah, I always thought the it was like the EPUB was the uh, was the general catch all because I think
1: Yeah. And it's the cleanest, it's the most basic, um, it has way less stuff involved. It's like, you know, like a text program versus Microsoft Word. Mm-hmm. Kindle has a whole lot of bells and whistles that uh, you may or may not need for just a for just a prose book. But if you have illustrations or if you have other multimedia uh, as an aspect of the book, then Kindle is actually probably the best format for that.
0: And on that note... Um... Let us take a quick break and be right back. And we're back. We're back. Uh, One thing I did want to do is bring in Rachel. Rachel, uh, as a bit of a contrast, (laughs) this is an episode of contrasts. (laughs) But uh, one of the things that I wanted to bring up was just the, I guess, contrast in, in why I wanted to have, I guess, both of you on is whereas you've been. How many, uh, do you mean, how many, uh, have you, how many, like, you know, times have you had, have you done, you published your own, your own, your own work?
1: Uh, this is, well, I mean, mm, that's kind of a difficult question. Cause I've done a lot of like zines and stuff. Like I've done a lot of like zines that I like, you know, did like collage art for and mm-hmm. or like got friends to do like centerfold illustrations or whatever for me. And you know, like hand sold those, um, and I did that for quite a long time. And I really, and I still really, really, really love and enjoy that process. And I'd love to get back
0: to that. One of the um, benefits of Portland is well, we still have a somehow still have a um, still have zine culture. We
1: do still have a zine culture and places to sell them? Right. And yeah. you don't just have to trade them and send them as mail art. You can actually like sell them at a store at retail. Um, Rest
0: in peace, Tower Tower Books. Oh,
1: Tower Books. Yeah. We love you. Um, but, uh, after having, uh, done mixtape and, uh, that was released in October of 2011. Mm -hmm. It is indeed still available, which is one of the cool things about, um, um, self-publishing that and making it available through Amazon because, of course, the the hard copies are print-on-demand, so you don't actually have to worry about uh, inventory.
0: Yeah, you don't. There's no warehouse of these things there's rotting. There's no
1: warehousing it. Yeah, it, they're mm-hmm. they're printed as they're as they're ordered. Um, I uh, then uh, that stalled novel that I'd been working on. I decided I would I would see what would happen if. I released each chapter individually as Kindle singles, um, which is a thing that uh, they kick around a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, serializing it was, as it were.
1: Yeah, serializing it, um, and also because it is a work of pornography. Um, you know, it's it it is designed to titillate as well as it being literary fiction. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if you wanted to read a piece of pornography, then you could like pay ninety nine cents get a document that's around that's between 10 and 12 pages and every single chapter contains at least one incidence of extremely explicit sex hey. you know there you go solid easy peasy
0: yeah uh, the book comes in spurts just like the song says <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah um um, and in that particular case, I uh, had uh, I commissioned individual covers for each of the chapters because um, I have a friend who is a professional photographer, and I wanted to get her. I wanted. I've been wanting to work with her for years, and I also really wanted to get her a paying gig because she kind of needs money right now.
0: Life in Portland.
1: L- actually, she's not in Portland. It's oh, worse. Well, then-
0: it's worse. Than- Oh, well, um, the hell with that then. I'm
1: not yeah, I'm not going to name her name because I just kind of dissed her a little bit. Um, but she's <laughs> she's fantastically talented and I was just like, "Surely you know some dudes that are willing to like take pictures with their shirt off like touching each other. Like it doesn't have to be explicit, so like they don't have to be gay or anything. They just have to be willing to be shirtless and, you know, touching each other." Right. And she was like, "I totally do." And so she got a bunch of guys and took their picture and then sent those to me. I paid her her actual studio rate and, uh, you know, took that money out of my actual savings because I get to write it off. I was able to write it off on my taxes, even though that didn't actually help me that year. Um, it's and the, It's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. Um, and, you know, she got to have a really fun weekend of, you know, taking pictures of shirtless dudes. Um, and then got another uh, friend who I work with uh, to... Uh, you know, kind of like mess with the pictures a little bit to kind of obscure the identities a little bit more and, can, you know, just kind of punch up the image to make it a right. little bit more of book covery. Like, and he did a fantastic job. And so I released those as Kindle singles one per week for 13 weeks. <coughs> and yeah, uh, nobody paid any attention to that at all. Um, I may have been because I released it under a pseudonym, even though I told everybody that it was out and that it was under a pseudonym, but it was actually me and basically nobody nobody bit, as it were. So uh, after having those up for, uh, I would say I left, I had those available for sale for about two months and then I took them down again. Um, and I've since written a 14th and concluding chapter of that story, and now it's an actual complete novel, and now I'm not really sure what to do with it. So, uh, so I've kind of self-published twice, ah. but one of those times I feel was successful, and one of those times... Was not successful, but not because of anything I did, I think. Um, I think that just something happened weirdly with me communicating that it was available and not really having the time or money or wherewithal to do anything, to even approaching it. publicity or promotion. Right.
0: Um, similar, but as a bit of a contrast, Rachel, you have just uh, finished your, I guess, finished written and at least posted online of. Uh, printed on your man your your first uh your first children's book as it were yes again and but but i wanted to go back to what you uh do you mean what you're saying about the um like the format wars mm-hmm. of the format wars of like the various versions and how to i guess what i want to let's see what i want to ask um almost like the um how much effort did it require to learn like at the computer, uh, publishing and design side?
1: Um, somewhat more than I was anticipating. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it would actually be easier than it was. Yes. Um,
2: yes.
1: and that, you know, that was very frustrating. Um, because I, because I would assumed that it was going to be a lot easier because everything that kind of led up to it was fairly easy. Um, Uh, It was more that uh, because you have a uh, when you're doing self-publishing online, you have a lot of opportunities to look at things sort of at the demo stage, and so you can see if something doesn't work, and so you want to so you have to keep working on it until it's just right, Mm. and so you go through you know I probably went through 25 or 30 rounds of trying to get the text formatted correctly Mm -hmm. for print before I actually finally broke down and asked somebody who was a professional, how do you do this thing? And she was like, oh, just do that. And I said, really, it's that easy? She's like, yeah, actually, it's really that easy. And I'm just like, oh, it's because I just didn't know Microsoft Word well enough, Durr. And then once I learned that one little trick, then it was actually completely easy. Um, that's that was, that was by far the hardest thing of, learning the the different Mm format, learning formatting for eBooks was just not, was not knowing the capabilities of the software that I was already using. Mm -hmm. So, um, and because it's just, it's a prose book, but it had, you know, because it has the two different typefaces in it, that was really, that was really the only complicating factor. Um, if, if there's just a single typeface throughout and, you know, you just have bold and italic formatting and stuff, that's, you know that's actually a lot more straightforward, but it still wouldn't have helped me to make sure that the chapter breaks happened the way that they're supposed to do. And there's no way I would have been able to learn that myself. Like even like looking at looking at documentation, it wouldn't like the documentation that exists doesn't explain that clearly enough. Right. I mm-hmm. actually had to ask somebody. You
0: know, how's this done? It was the scene in in, in his account. As a contrast, Rachel, can you talk about, um, let's say your experience or your just travails of getting of going from Mm -hmm. going from written from written word doc into um, into actual because you did you did print on demand and also what you're currently going through trying to get a proper ebook version of this thing working
2: right um i used uh i used ingram sparks which is um i think ingram sparks and create space are kind of like the Mm -hmm. coke and pepsi of the self-publishing world Mm -hmm. um i had a pretty big
1: book baby the rc cola
2: (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) i hadn't even heard of book baby until today um uh, Ingram Sparks was a, using them was a pretty mixed experience. Um, as far as the paperback copy, I feel like they did a really good job. Um, they, you know, the everything arrived when it was supposed to, looking really good. I've actually heard uh, some people have had real problems with that. With uh, Create Space, the book's not um, coming, not uh, looking the way they were supposed to. Mm. So in that regard ingram sparks was good um however uh once i finally got it um got the e bu- um ebook um formatted um i paid a guy who my mom had recommended um, his name was Timothy Pugh, uh, a.k.a. Mr. Lasers. He's great. Uh, if you're doing self-publishing. So how do you spell lasers? <laughs> With a Z. Oh, okay. It's I'm great, great. Of course. Yeah, also,
0: if
1: you're a drug dealer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or a pimp. Or an exotic dancer.
2: That's true. Or That's a... True. Um,
0: yeah. Or a... Um...
1: David
2: Hasselhoff impersonator. All right. <laughs> or...
0: A or a dj pair yeah mm. to
2: my knowledge he's not any of those other things <laughs> but <you laughs> or know, a lasik no. surgeon oh, yeah exactly i don't know him too
0: well <laughs> yeah the, the the yeah the kind of kind of medical <gasps> practitioner who's advertises the services on uh, on billboards and and bus benches
2: exactly <laughs> exactly but in spite of that he actually did did a great job so he formatted um, the ebook for me, and I thought I was just going to upload it onto Ingram Sparks and we would be good. Um, but it turned out to be much more complicated than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Ingram Sparks will only take an epub file and the file he had sent me was a mobi file oh, and yeah and i have honestly no experience with this i kind of felt like i didn't i was going in I this blind. I, and I
1: don't think that those i don't think that uh, um, they're sort of backwards compatible in that way yes EPUB is the simplest yes and uh, yeah with the, with a with mobi file i think that you, you have to actually kind of like do it over again or something, but I don't know because yeah. I I don't remember that part of the process.
2: That was pretty much what Timothy A.K.A. Mister Lasers said if I was going to do do it on Ingram Sparks. Um, I tried contacting the um, tech support slash customer service with Ingram Spark. Honestly, they were not very helpful. That was Ooh. that was one area in which they are are uh, lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess every self-publishing site has its uh, strengths and drawbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up deciding to just go through, straight through Amazon Kindle, which is what I should have done to begin with. Um a, learn. Yeah, so there were a few... There were still some um, formatting obstacles. Um, Timothy aka mr. lasers has been great about explaining this to me in uh layperson's terms so uh the ebook is currently has been submitted uh finally successfully to Amazon and it's a uh, pending review so uh hopefully very soon it will actually be up on Amazon uh, up on Kindle
0: great Excellent. Yes. the did you have i know you hired you had a particular you you hired an because it's you, as opposed to um you did genre fiction mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and rachel you did more you wanted to do more for children's book which right. is illustrated um so you found your illustrator mm-hmm. got your text how did you assemble the how did you get the actual like the book formatted and assembled into into um I mean even you know for like a self published how did it go how did you wind up doing that between assembly and everything
2: uh well, the illustrator did a lot for me um i can uh i can 't say enough good things about her. her name is Linda louise mangoro uh she's actually British, and my mom uh referred me to her. she was kind of a friend of a friend of a friend um but she uh we were just saying she really nailed the uh facial expressions uh the illustrations are beautiful yes everyone has has been very impressed with the illustrations um so i know she is the InDesign program basically i just submitted the story to her and uh she did she would do the illustrations i would pay her in chunks of time i put up a lot of my own money so i was doing it very slowly she would submit um she once she finished an illustration, she would send it to me, and ask for my feedback. Sometimes I would suggest changes, uh, so she she really did um, all of the formatting. Um, and I know she is the InDesign program, which I honestly don't know a whole lot about. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't
1: know it at all either.
2: Yeah. Um, I know they have classes on it at the community college. You should take um, that class. Yeah, I, that's actually I not like a bad. Like not idea. knowing stuff. That's not a bad idea. Yeah.
0: What's um? I, we should get to it. Um, I sh- your uh, uh, your book title was was it what was what was your full book title that the, for, for your first one? Uh, you,
1: the one that I self published. Yeah, the one
0: that you self the first one you self published.
1: Uh, Mixtape for the apocalypse.
0: Okay, and and Rachel, what what was what's, um, we heard yeah we heard Jamila's book. What can you, um, I guess, pitch your book and title?
2: Sure, my book is called "The Tale of Martina McTripa," and it's about a three-legged dog who uh, gets bullied at the dog park and learns to stand up to the bullies with the help of her. Her wise counselor, who's a schnauzer named uh dr Earl gray um and at at the end, I have some resources for kids and adults on bullying, so I wanted to make it have a real message but also be fun and and enjoyable
0: mhm um and I know that because you see you. Yeah. Uh, spoiler, ladies and gentlemen, it's like Rachel and I have been living together for like at least three years now. So I sin. Right. Uh, yes, <laughs> so,
2: yes, <laughs> that's what said. Yes.
0: So, can you talk about how you funded? Um, I think you both you both pretty much just self funded this, correct?
1: Yeah. Nobody gives me money for anything, man.
2: Well, <laughs> I I self funded it at first. I did I did an Indiegogo campaign. Um, Indiegogo is one of the Crowdfunding sites. Um, it's similar to. There's Kickstarter, Indiegogo, GoFundMe. Go probably a few more that I.
0: About twenty by um, right now, but yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, the main reason I used in, <coughs> used Indiegogo instead of Kickstarter. Actually, there were two main reasons. One, Indiegogo seemed far simpler. Um, and I felt like for my first attempt, uh, doing uh, starting simple was good. And also Indiegogo still lets you keep the funds if you uh, don't raise 100% of your goal. Mm. Whereas Kickstarter, yeah, it's all or nothing. Yeah, you 100% or yes. nothing happens at all. So I didn't want to take that risk. So I uh, I did an Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign. This was after I'd already put up quite a bit of my own money for the uh For the illustration and publication costs, it was just kind of to recoup a lot of that. I did get to about hundred and five percent of my goal, so I did meet the goal um, Excellent. Everyone who contributed was a friend or family member, which I greatly appreciated That's I yeah. had fantasies that um I was going to you know contact all of these celebrities who were animal lovers and or anti and or anti bullying type people, um including a couple of celebrities who have three legged dogs themselves like john Stewart um and I have fantasies that I was going to get con- um publicity and contributions from uh at least one of these celebrities. I sent off stuff, never heard anything back um <laughs> But it was, wor- I tried. I uh, still hoping one day, one day a famous person will uh, notice the book and Kristen that'll be... Bell, she's
1: a sucker. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> there's very, one I, mean, I she's a very thought uh, of. nice person who loves animals. Oh,
2: she's one I hadn't thought of, so she's she really made cool. me on my yeah, list. She's
1: actually really, she's actually genuinely somebody you should maybe try, because she's really nice.
2: <laughs> so, oh, that's, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep trying. Uh <laughs> can be a little discouraging when you put something out there and uh hear crickets back but that is that is kind of There's the uh part of the game There's exactly
1: rubes to fleece I mean, exactly that you can ask for help i mean
2: yeah. exactly yeah. exactly friends and family were very supportive um and even before i i wrote the book uh i or not before i published the book i should say i showed the text to many people, uh including Jamia, who at the time I actually didn't even know. Um she was a friend of of Jeremy's. Um uh, and many, many different people I knew from varying contexts and it was very helpful to get all sorts of different perspectives and um suggestions. Uh so I did a lot of edits. Uh so uh I would definitely say that to anyone who's self publishing is it's really helpful to show it to, to, show as it to many people as yeah. Show it to friends and family, and Friend, as, friends. as
1: diverse, exactly and different kinds of readers as possible. Because exactly. you never know. <laughs> I mean, people's perspectives may will. Uh, it's not that they may surprise you; they will surprise you every single time. Exactly, they will always think of something that you didn't think of. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can just, always improve things.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was, was going to say, uh, um, being as someone who puts out a podcast to. Uh, tens of viewers um, <laughs> i i you know i of course scores can, come I, on
1: scores whole scores of people uh yeah there's A i score you know, or two yeah I, there's
0: yeah there's i i don't know anything about putting something out into the digital uh, the digital uh universe uh, t- uh to non-universal claims. so
2: <laughs> exactly
0: as, yeah one of the benefits of college radio is that at least the feedback you got was um you could, uh pizza dudes and tech and cad drivers and right. um people making out uh <laughs> wanting you to soundtrack their uh, their humping session <laughs> um, Dude,
1: uh, in my college radio experience, I would say that almost without exception, I had zero listeners ever zero. Because you couldn't, you can't even receive the station on yes, all of campus. Yes. So really, you have to be in the dorm that the station is in.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or
1: else you can't really hear it. And yes. they weren't listening to me. Just you know, playing that damn
0: 808 State single again. Oh, 808 State.
1: It's mm. um, so good though.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, no. I remember it was. <laughs> I was gonna say I. Well, I've serious. met more than a few of my uh, more than a few of my friends. Uh, back in ann arbor at wcbn fm all the way to the left of your fm dial 88.3 wow we're we're because ann arbor is a half an hour drive away from detroit more than a few of them were detroit djs Ooh. but the i think the i'll have to check but as far as i know at the time when i was doing college radio <laughs> we just had a we just had a subject sh- uh a subject shift ladies and gentlemen. When I was doing t- um but I ter- I guess
1: what was doing college radio. Yeah,
0: we're yeah, we're talking I guess uh now we're, the earth's crust
1: cool. Yeah.
0: We're now going into the uh, talking about you know how do you you know res- uh response or lack thereof to one's creative output.
1: Right.
0: Mm, yeah. WCBN FM Ann Arbor their transmitter was 200 watts. Dude which was enough that it, could, it would blanket Ann Arbor and 10 to 20 miles around depending on the weather patterns. Gosh. Yeah. It was um it was it was big enough and I believe they have since done a uh, at least one fundraiser or not or more to uh, to and gotten a license upgrade to actually boost the signal.
1: Wow, mm-hmm. cool. So yeah, KRC's 10 watt. 10 throbbing watts of rock and roll power 10 10 10 watts can you guys hear me upstairs no okay i guess i'll play negative land
0: some more yeah there you go yeah <laughs> negative land on top of uh or just you know live mixing ne- ne- yeah. negative land no, it's, together it's,
1: it's really it was very great for like you know like doing practice with two turntables. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. let's see if I can pitch shift. No, I really can't. No, it's been a year of practice. I still can't. Um, maybe I should stop trying to do (laughs) that.
0: Uh... Kids, you tried your best and you failed miserably. The lesson is never try. (laughs) You're right in the butt. (laughs) That was great. Do a half-ass job. Yeah, <laughs> Sherry Bobbins, I love you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very used to like absolute silence greeting most of my creative endeavors, mm. and uh, I mean, I, I'm really. Kind of startled whenever anybody actually does pay any attention to it, or that I actually get feedback from people who've actually like read or seen anything that I've done, because mm-hmm. it's just been a whole bunch of absolute, of either absolute zero or uh, specifically negative feedback from people in authority. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just I just keep on plugging along, and I do, I have I I do it because it's a compulsion. It's not because I. It's important or that I feel like I'm that benefits me or anybody else. And it certainly doesn't pay. I'm literally just compelled to keep doing it. And so occasionally I would like I I show it to people because I do enjoy the ego boost when people do actually read my stuff and or like it. But um, I'm also used to there just being absolutely no feedback whatsoever. So uh, I, I just try to have fun with it more than anything else because I, I kind of don't really have, a, I don't have a choice as to whether to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a choice about whether to, to write fiction. I just, I literally am compelled to do it. If I don't do it, I literally start feeling like physically unwell. So I have to do it or I or I both go crazy and I get ill. Right. So <laughs> I write a lot because I have to.
0: Yeah. And authors like a shark. If it doesn't keep going forward, it dies. That's yeah.
1: right. Well, it can always swim around in shir- in circles. So you know, I'm that shark that's just swimming around in a very tight circle. And occasionally, a fish like accidentally gets in the way, and I consume it. And I can keep swimming for a little bit longer, but uh yeah, making it to the actual cold deep seas i I don't know where that is I don't know where I don't know where the current is for that, so I'm just gonna swim around in circles for a little bit longer and see what happens, and you know accidentally eat some shrimp as they you know krill, they just kind of get stuck in there and yeah stuff i'm going crazy i'm going (laughs) crazy it's been like weeks and weeks and weeks Uh, but yeah i have a lot of stuff and i've written a lot of stuff and Mm -hmm. i have a lot of a lot of ideas and i really just i need to i I have to write them down
0: Mm -hmm. on the off chance um, this is actually, this gets heard by someone in the, uh, interested in do the, in, uh, any advice for the budding uh, self publishers out there in the, uh, in the viewing audience?
1: Uh, make friends with artists and painters so you can have cover design people to help you out. Because... People who like draw and paint and stuff—they're just as sad and desperate as you, and mm-hmm. they also need an outlet for their work. So, if you can collaborate with people on stuff like that,
0: so take advantage of their of their uh their compulsions as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Take take advantage of people's like visual artistic compulsions. Work with them, become friends with them. They may surprise you. Um, you know, open it up to lots of people who have ideas. Um, and uh, also if you can like get to know things about book formatting and do things like look at the front matter of books and notice what's there and notice that there's a barcode with an ISBN number on it on your books and remember that you have to buy one of those and it really helps to and you can actually self-publish without an ISBN mm-hmm. but if you have the ISBN it it, uh, it it makes it a lot more professional and it makes it much easier to sell which is very important
0: Right Rachel anything?
2: Um, kind of like I said before my advice would be to talk to a lot of people get feedback from people um, and you never know <laughs> that networking, you know, telling one person who tells another person. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I've uh, you know, I haven't uh, even come close to breaking, even on the book. You know, I would also say don't don't expect it to make you rich quick. Or, um, yeah, if you very break even,
1: you're doing amazingly, exactly, amazingly very, well. Yes. I mean, Do- you think about the fact that Chuck Tingle Dr. Chuck Tingle God bless mm-hmm. him.
0: um Patron saint of uh, modernity.
1: Patron saint of raptor he, butt invasions he, and oh yeah. sentient uh, multiple concepts
0: yeah. that will I, pound you in the butt. Yeah, multiple Hugo, uh, multiple I think by this point, multiple Hugo nominated mm-hmm. author Chuck Tingle, Dr. Chuck Tingle,
1: uh-huh. who, who loves us all, uh Buckaroos and Lady Bucks alike. Um, I think that he actually self-published m- more than a hundred titles before he mm-hmm. actually started making any money out of them i mean because really chuck mm-hmm. tingle started like putting books up on amazon like 5 years ago right and it's, it's really only because of, you know, him, him being joking, you know, being nominated for a Hugo mm-hmm. Award by, as a joke.
0: Right, by assholes, yeah.
1: By jerks and him literally just like seizing that in his shiny, gleaming teeth and saying, no, I actually am awesome and you guys are not going, you guys are not gonna make fun of me. No, I real no, I'm really doing this thing, and you know, there's nothing that you could say that really changes what I do or changes my idea of myself. And hey, that's it's actually real. And then like people literally just saw how you know just saw a really outrageous title, laughed hysterically, looked it up on Amazon, saw his other hundreds of titles yeah.
0: a thought yet yeah, an entire dozens upon dozens for all for dozens like dozens 99, dozens. Cents American. 99
1: cents 99 cents tinglers yeah um right. and as a goof buy one that's the way to do it if mm-hmm. people buy your stuff just as a goof right. get enough people to buy your stuff as a goof you're good to go. And he's actually like, and he's starting to kind of make a little money from it now. Uh Like it's not a, it's still not a ton of money, but he's actually really making quite a bit of money and he's becoming like this, this, Well, he's certainly becoming an absolutely beloved online presence because he's such a wonderful person. (laughs) I absolutely adore him. He's great. Um, Pretty much every time he posts anything, I'm just like, that's so true. Oh, it's so nice to just be loved by this completely insane guy. Who's far away from us? Thankfully, we're safe. He's not gonna come to our house. Um, I don't know if I want to party with him or anything. Yeah, his but son.
0: His son takes care of all of his, his all of his affairs.
1: Takes, yeah. Yeah. His son keeps him in chocolate milk and pizza and Pepsi, and that's all Doctor Tingle needs. And. And this, and this whole experience that was supposed to literally make him a figure of mockery, has only strengthened him, mm-hmm. and that he had enough, enough other material that the joke became sort of transcended itself and right. is now like making him like some bad cash
0: right I'll, so, I'll yeah i'll put a link in the show notes as to for anybody who's not not aware of dr tingle of dr chuck tingle and his uh his uh, his nomination for the hugo Earlier this year, wasn't it? Uh, I or was it last it, year too? Uh,
1: I think it was. Uh, he was nominated for the Hugo. Oh no, it was this year. Okay, it was this year. It was for Space Raptor Butt Invasion. <laughs> right, and as it uh, as it should be, as well it should be. Um, I mean, I just. Oh, and and uh, that very day that he learned that he had the Hugo nomination, he wrote and released the book. Uh, slammed in the butt by my Hugo <laughs> Award nomination.
0: Yeah, it was something like like an eight hour turnaround, wasn't it? Yeah,
1: he generally has an eight hour turnaround for each book that he does. He releases pretty much at least one title per week, and has for a couple of years.
0: Right. His his uh, he put he was the first one to come out with uh, with uh, Brexit related eKindle porn. Um, you know, landmark he's, publications, he's, he's, ladies and gentlemen. He's
1: written like fifty books about uh, about Donald Trump. Yeah, and they're all very, very vicious and weird. And think- yeah, he's got a very he's got a very interesting perspective on on uh, on on all of politics right now. Uh, he wrote a really great Tingler about Sarah Palin, also. Um, that uh, I was very tempted to buy. However, I think my my inaugural uh, Chuck Tingle purchase will be. Slammed in the butt by my own book. <laughs> Slammed in the butt by my own butt by Doctor Chuck Tingle. Yeah, that's the actual title of yeah. the book.
0: the um you don't find um you don't find much um self recursive self you know you, there, there are many things you can be, that can be said about the worlds of Kindle um of Kindle erotica. Um, but he's
1: really—I mean, like and also like of of dinosaur relate <laughs> dinosaur related, gay porn, right? Which is an, an entirely like other field. I mean, yeah, it's
0: huge. It's it's a, um, it's a
1: massive and growing sub sub sub
0: micro <laughs> genre. Yeah, not in not even just. Dinosaur gay porn, din- dinosaur porn of any stripe you yeah, want, it's yeah. out there. Dinosaur it's- on
1: dinosaur. Yeah.
0: Dinosaur on senator. Dinosaur on. Um, dinosaur on sentient planet Yeah. Um, dinosaur on, like. Dinosaur on Christ. On billionaire heiress. Dinosaur yeah. on. Uh, dinosaur on 1984 Irox Z. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Dinosaur on uh, Mohammed uh, Gaddafi. Um, That's a pretty good one. Um, (laughs) That might actually be a Chuck Tingle book, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, really, the sky (laughs) is the limit. Whatever you think of, you actually really can self-publish it, Mm -hmm. and it just joins the other millions of thronging crazy ideas out there, but you never know what's actually going to suddenly catch fire and Mm -hmm. become a thing so there 's kind of no reason why you shouldn't do it yeah, yeah right. um however, if you wanted if you actually like take writing and literature seriously, you know maybe get some people to look at it and you know maybe get a professional editor to go over it and make sure it 's formatted right, and you know make sure it 's got a groovy cover, but you don't have to. You can do whatever stupid shit you want. (laughs) I was going to say,
0: as the old old, uh, comic said, you know, here's a chord, here's a second, here's a third, now form a band.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) I I read an interview with the author of The Kite Runner, I can't remember his name, but he said that people are always writing to him and saying, how can I write the next bestseller? Yeah, that happens
1: all the time. And he
2: said he just tells people, I don't know, just write a book, don't write because you're... Trying to write the next bestseller yeah, because that, that may not that happen. It really
1: just doesn't work. Right.
2: Just write ever because you have a story that you want to tell. Yeah. And that was, I really felt like I had to get the story out there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if it, if it sells well, uh, if it reaches a lot of people, great. But, if you it don't, only but the thing about a few it is, people, people, you don't
1: even know if it's any good because it's kind of not up to you, the right. writer to determine whether or not someone else is going to consider it to be of quality. So right. do whatever you can to make it of quality, but also kind of let it go because it's kind of yeah. not up to you. Just do your do your best, be, you mm-hmm. know, honor the work as much as possible and like really just put it out there, let it go and write something else. And as soon as you finish writing something, Try to write something else. Uh, try to write it almost. Try to keep writing almost immediately. Like, I guess <laughs> maybe the best thing to do is to start writing something else that very same day. I've never actually managed to do that. I always say, "Oh well, yeah, I guess I should really write something else now," but I can't do it that same day. That same day that I finish something, I tend to just you know start drinking, and <laughs> just keep drinking for the rest of that day because. Um,
2: that's what writers do. That's yeah. what
1: writers do. Yeah. And yeah. also whenever I finish something and I go to the next room and I go, hey, I finished that book. Yeah. It's then too... I get resounding silence from whoever it is that I tell <laughs> and I'm like, I've been working on this for years and sweating blood and I just finished. And they're like, uh-huh.
0: Yeah, well, the cat's uh-huh. not going to say much. It's, it's, right. it's, it's waiting to to read the results.
1: Well, no, uh, Sweet D was actually really excited when I said, hey, I'm finally done with before and after my call. And she was like, meow. Meow which was which is very unusual she usually doesn't she usually doesn't meow almost at all so the fact that she meowed in response to that i consider to be like overwhelming enthusiasm right. from her so um excellent yeah but i didn't start writing something else that same night i went
0: went to the bar and had a drink there's a running theme through all this ladies and gentlemen yeah <laughs> yes and on, and on that note uh any recommendations for anything you've been digging lately that you want to spread the word about
1: Uh, actually, uh, and this is going to be a little bit weird and yet not really, um, my friend Mark Russell, who is a writer who, uh, I met because we were doing a writing thing together, um, or we were, we were doing a reading of our stuff together, um, probably 17 or so years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, wonderful, wonderful guy. He's recently started writing comic books, um, and last year his first series prez uh, sort of rebooting the uh, 70s dc comic prez was fantastic
0: i have it over i ha- i have it over uh, uh, right by the bedside table
1: yeah it's amazing stuff and so like his next gig after that was writing now the rebooted the flintstones comic for dc hanna barbera and I just read issue number four. I haven't read any of the previous issues, but number four just happened to be in our comps box, and so I snagged it because I'm like, okay, this is going be this is going to be good. And it's one of the best comics I've ever read in my life. It's so amazing Flint's The Flintstones number four. I don't know that any of the previous issues are good or not, but number four is one of the the funniest and most socially aware and progressive things i've ever read in my life it's amazing
0: this was the this was the the new flintstone series with the deliberately updated art style correct? Uh yeah
1: the more realistic looking flintstones and dinosaurs and everything else as well except for dino looks exactly like dino looks in the cartoon which is really extremely extremely surreal but i mean just as 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 a as a as a as a note um the daughter pebbles as we all know um is wearing a, a t-shirt advertising nick caveman
2: <laughs>
1: and it fits perfectly and i was like yes yes so uh, I don't I won't I won't talk about the actual like uh, content of the of the story because it's it, it's almost too spoilery even to talk about what it's about, but I, I there's a there's a belly laugh on every single page every single page has something really amazingly funny going on and. Well, I mean, the cover of it, you know, shows like Fred and Wilma arm in arm, you know, walking along and behind them a throng of protesters protesting um, the new fangled and upsetting uh, 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 trend of monogamy of like men and women getting married and being like loyal to each other. And because of course it goes, it goes against uh, the, the general caveman uh, way of uh, only working with the sex caves. And um, so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the jumping off point of the story, but then it goes everywhere it could possibly go from there. And it's, it's absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And also, because it's Mark, uh, it goes to some very sort of, like, sad, dark places. (laughs) (laughs) Because, of course, it always Mm -hmm. goes to sad, dark places. Perfect.
0: Uh, Rachel, do you have anything to recommend?
2: Um, I went to a a lunchtime training uh, about a week ago at OHSU, where uh, they talked about the um, growing popularity of graphic novels and of using art and... Therapy for kids as well as adults, and um, they they had a display with some uh, newer graphic novels about various aspects of uh, mental health. Of course, there was Ali Brochures Hyperbole and a Half, Yay. and which I've, I found really really interesting, and uh, <laughs> um, and uh, I can't remember any of the other authors or titles, but there was one very large book about the author's experience with anorexia. Um, There was one about bipolar disorder. There were just a bunch of really interesting-looking graphic novels about various aspects of mental health. And Mm. And physical health, too. which
1: There's a couple of... uh, uh, Well, uh, there's the famous... um, (laughs) Uh, oh, goodness, I'm blanking on his name uh American Splendor Harvey Pekar Harvey Pekar's Picard. book our, Mar- our our cancer year Harvey and uh, Harvey yes, Pekar in his
0: in his on the
2: display
1: table
0: yeah. and, and his yes. uh, and his wife yeah it's
2: really
1: really powerful and incredibly funny yes. so yeah I think that's really kind of like that 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 probably like kind of speared, yes. spearheaded that whole movement and I really just I think it's a I think it's a fantastic it's, yes. it's a it's a great it's a great way to sort of describe these, you know, it's a new approach to, to like, sort of like, you know, medical and mental health memoirs yes. And, yes. Mem- and, and uh, you know, and fiction about these, these, these topics, because, yes. you know, there's, there's always, there's always new things to say about it, new ways yes. to say them.
2: So, yeah. Yes. And it made me feel <laughs> that's, inspired that's about great. this. That's
1: great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yes. yes. You should do those.
0: Yes, we should do those. And for yes. contrast, my recommendation is a podcast called Laser Time, <laughs> done by a about three or four ex game journals down in San Francisco. The, the they just celebrated their five year anniversary of their show. I think the the way that the show works is that they'll take a take a a thing from pop culture and kind of go in deep and explore it, and um of really examine it they've done everything from they they, re, they they've done episodes everything from say um like backdoor tv pilots to uh to the history of programming blocks Ooh. everything from t from uh from snick to TGI, tgif Ooh. um they did i'm trying prime to think time after
1: prime time yeah but-
0: uh, I'm trying to think like very everything from subjects of like like you know the five you know the five best um films based on you know featuring pro wrestlers <laughs> they um
1: that sounds amazing yeah the,
0: the <laughs> film you know it's kind of like the, the 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 history of I think not just um I think what was it just the Uh, They they recently did a special on cartoons based on live action properties. Mm -hmm. Everything from you know you had your uh, not not, you know you had not just your Laverne and Shirley go to the army or Fonzie later on you would have your Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, your Back to the Futures,
1: Clerks the animated series, Clerks the
0: animated series, (laughs) uh, droids and Ewoks. (laughs) so it it is a uh, it is a uh, well uh, well researched very uh, very humorous and well worth your time to check out uh laser time um podcast which i i think i found it because i was looking through either it was originally the very first episode was posted either in like comedy or in video games i just saw like the the, the logo and the name laser time like okay that's you know it's like sold. yeah that that's it i'm going to download this
2: my favorite part is the 30 20, 10 podcast where they take that week and talk about pop culture 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and 10 years ago. Ooh. And the theme song is... uh It starts out as this very... like Sounding like an 80s video game theme song. And then it segues into what sounds like a 90s grunge song. And then it segues into what sounds like a... <laughs> early aughts uh, boy band <laughs> songs Thirty twenty ten,
0: here we go again analyzing decades hitting with our friends was with different days
2: and there's so much to say about that everything is changed talk about other ways of 30, 20,
1: 10. <laughs> that's really cool mm-hmm. Oh, and I also have to, of course, you know, give... Give a little, give a little props to uh, you know the magical TV show on Netflix, Luke Cage, which uh, finally everybody out. is oh, yeah. everybody is loving it, and uh, it's oh it's so great. <laughs> and uh, as I just learned today, um, that indeed the soundtrack is being released on vinyl almost immediately. Um, so the the vinyl version of the soundtrack should be released next week, I
2: believe.
0: I was gonna say, by this point, you think that you think even like a company as big as Netflix would be would learn after um previous brouhaha's just to get on that
1: yeah exactly i mean and the fact that the music is so integral to this show Mm -hmm. that they were always going to be releasing the soundtrack of it like quickly because of course they fell on their face with the stranger things soundtrack Mm -hmm. which has not yet been released me, really? I emphasize, yeah, well, it comes out next week.
0: Well, physical, no, I mean, the, uh, yeah, it's the digital that's out there. Right. Uh, like, 120, whatever, 120, 180 gram vinyl, I don't, not yet.
1: Yeah, but I think that actually comes out next week. Okay. Um, but uh, the music of Luke Cage is such an in- incredibly integral part of the show that, they were always they always had plans to just, you know, release the soundtrack on iTunes or whatever. But almost immediately basically within about four or five hours after the episodes premiered on Netflix, the response was so enormous that they were like, We could probably make our money back if we put this out on vinyl and everybody said, Yes, 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 please, can we have it on vinyl, please? And yeah, that's it's it's it, it's an absolute um I, I think that uh it will be a party soundtrack for a lot of this upcoming holiday season, or at least I hope it will be, because it will be a very funky holiday if that's the case. Have they and I want it to be a funky holiday. Are there any
0: have they used any ghetto ghetto boys tracks in the in the show yet? They
1: haven't yet, ah. but I think there are some. I'm I've only watched up through the fifth episode. Okay. So they uh there are thirteen episodes. I have seven more to go. Um I think there's seven more. Um uh but uh every single episode is named after a gang star track yeah. so that's yeah. pretty exciting and a lot of the incidental music is taken from one of my favorite records of this century uh, the instrumental version of the Ghostface Killah album *12 Ways to Die*, which is, I mean, it's every it's everybody's favorite kind of music. No matter what kind of music it is that you like, it's yeah. every single one of them simultaneously. Wow. And really, just and the instrumental version is just, I mean, it's it's soundtrack music. It's it's guitar. It's <laughs> indie guitar rock. It's heavy metal. Mm-hmm. It's funk. It's soul. It's it's got country elements. It's a mixtape. It's a mixtape in individual tr- it, but like each track is like that every track combines all of those elements okay. It's just oh, it's magical. So, and I think that they used that as like a template for how they were going to design the score of the show because the actual score of the show is very, very similar to that, but but done by a full orchestra instead. Hmm. So, okay. yeah, it's, right. it's 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 magnificent. So, watch it if you haven't already. Everybody's already watched it except for Next you guys. Yeah. <laughs> we're All
2: right. Behind that.
0: and on that note uh where can folks how can folks get a hold of you on the internet
1: uh i'm all over the facebook's uh also i have a website that's not very good that i'm gonna try to (laughs) gonna try to uh, fix up a little bit but it is functional right now jamia.com my website will always be jamea.com, j-e-m-i-a-h um it has listings for all of my current titles that are available and a blog that i pretty much neglect really badly and some pictures of me and that sort of thing but i'm on the facebooks find me
0: all right
2: Great. yep i'm on the facebook too uh, rachel julia levy uh my book is available in print form on amazon and should be available in ebook very soon uh and martina, martina McTri- mctripo yes martina mctripo also has a blog on uh Word, <laughs> wordpress oh excellent um as as soon as uh the book is available and uh on kindle she'll update it again
0: excellent, excellent. Yes. and if, and always if you have any uh see like subscribe comment blah 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 uh, if you want to get a hold of me you can reach me at the show on twitter it is giving the mic also you, you don't email anything let's see giving the mic at gmail.com all right and on behalf of my assembled guests here once again, thank you very much for your time on this Thursday
1: Thank you yeah
0: and um anything to go out on I don't have a I do not have a catchphrase, so I'll just say uh, good night
1: yeah, that works yeah. <laughs>
0: time. Cool.
2: Excellent. Then we we'll yes. talk about your yes. book. <laughs> yes. I'm really curious.
1: Yes. Because also, I want to do some illustrated books.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to do the illustrations yourself?
1: <laughs> no, I'm terrible. Oh. <laughs>
2: well,
1: no, I'm, I'm... Not, I'm not actually any good at that. Oh, um,
2: well <laughs> Not
1: really. The there's, illustrator there's did a great like... job. Yes. She exactly. does live in.
2: She lives in England. mm mm-hmm. She was. Expensive. I feel like she was worth it, but. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, cool. it just looks fantastic. Yeah, she, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yes, she did a great job. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is fantastic. It
2: really is. It really is.
1: Really good expressions, it's really hard to do.
2: It's, yeah, she, I really feel like she nailed the expressions. Mm -hmm. Or like that. And for
1: this story, that's really important.
2: Very much so. (laughs) Especially in that one where she's meeting with her psychologist. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm planning to do a couple sequels that I really hope she'll still be able to do the sequels. Because, like,